You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Super excited to bring you my buddy, Travis Chapel today. He's a founder of Guestio and host of the Build Your Network podcast. We're, today, we're going to be talking about podcasting and networking Guestio, which is another amazing tool, especially if you're thinking about podcasting right now, you got to check it out. First and foremost, Travis, welcome to the show. How's it going? Eric, what's up, bro? Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little more about kind of what your story is leading up to all the stuff you do right now. Sure. So kind of a 30,000 foot view here. I grew up in Southern California, a little town called Lancaster that nobody really knows about and probably for good reason. Um, I know it. But you do know it. Okay. Yeah. So you know exactly why most people don't know it and uh, <laughs> why I left. But grew up there and it was kind of an interesting way to grow up because it was in LA, but it was kind of like this, our own little like bubble that we had there. So um, I grew up kind of a religious bubble community type thing. I, I don't want to call it a cult because it's not technically a cult, but kind of very similar to that because I graduated kindergarten, eighth grade, high school, and college on the same 40-acre campus, which is also the campus that I went to church on. So almost literally every day of my life from the time that I was in kindergarten until I graduated college was spent somehow on this campus with sports games or friends or activities or college classes or high school classes or elementary classes or church or soul winning, like somehow I was there. When it's in high school there, they don't really tell you to do anything except for ministry. So it's like, you're either going into ministry or you're doing something that we don't care about basically is kind of what the attitude is. So uh, my thing was just, well, I'm going to go into ministry then. So I enrolled at the college that was on the same campus. I graduated with a degree in Bible and church ministries, uh, double majored. By the time I graduated, I realized that I didn't want to do that. <laughs> and I now had a completely useless degree because even if you use that degree for some sort of secular you know, career path, you don't really get a great job with a Bible and church ministries degree and kind of add you know, salt to the wound. It was unaccredited. So I had an unaccredited degree in Bible and church ministries, and I figured out that I didn't want to be in ministry. So at that point, I was basically, you know, I was trying to figure things out again, but I wasn't, you know, a 16-year-old, and I wasn't able to just live on my mom's couch because I got married before I graduated college, and uh, we bought our first house. So I had a mortgage to pay and a wife to provide for and no idea what I was going to do. And so I did the only thing I knew how to do, which was door-to-door sales. That was what I did in college and to make some extra money. And so I just kind of jumped full-time into door-to-door. And it went pretty well in, like, in terms of you know, money. Like I, I was working 15, 20 hours a week as, as a 21, 22-year-old. And I was making six figures that first year that I was full-time door-to-door, 100% commission. But at the end of the day, I knew that like, when I looked into the future, like, and 10, like a 32-year-old or 33-year-old Travis, I knew that I didn't want to be doing that anymore. So at that point, it was just like, well, I don't have a degree to fall back on that means anything. I don't have really any other skills except for sales. So let me try to you know, get another job in sales or something and, and try to make a career out of this. And nobody would hire me. That probably because I was really young and I didn't have any experience in corporate selling. Um, even though I was a pretty good salesperson, I think I could have outsold a lot of those people. Because if you do 100% commission door-to-door and pull six figures, you probably sell just about anything. But for some reason, people wouldn't hire me. And so I was back against the wall, you know, had bills to pay, you know, all those things, but you can't half-ass 100% commission sales. You know what I mean? So like once I figured out I couldn't, I didn't want to do that anymore, I had to figure something else out. And so for the first time in my life, I dove into personal development in a way that actually mattered to me. And that's when I came across these things called podcasts and started listening to a few podcasts. And eventually it was just like, this 
seems like a really cool way to make an income and it checks all my boxes, you know, it gives me lifestyle freedom. It gives me independence. It gives me location freedom, financial freedom. And I can do what I want, when I want with who I want. That was basically what I, what I wanted to do. And I wanted to learn a lot more about these different topics because I, I knew that the future of business would be online and that I was in a generation that would probably be transitioning business to online. And so I was like, I, I should probably be poised to actually be able to do this <laughs> instead of just like watch it happen from afar and not being able to take, take advantage of any of it. And so that was kind of my first thing. I started a podcast and then kind of, you know, went from there. And now that was a few years ago, a few hundred episodes ago. Uh, and now we're, you know, pushing forward with teaching other people how to podcast and connecting podcasters with ghost hosts and guests and stuff like that. So that's kind of the 30,000 foot view. I love that. And, and can you share just because whatever numbers you're, you're comfortable sharing, how you have thousands of reviews on your podcast, how big is the podcast now? How many downloads are you getting after, you know, uh, how many years has it been? It's been about three years, three and a half okay. years. Got it. So where does it stand now? Because I want people to get an idea of how they can maybe replicate your success. Yeah. So now we're getting six figure downloads a month, which at first was like the goal. You know what I mean? It was like, wow, if I could ever get to that, that would be amazing. That's about where we're at right now, but it took us almost the three full years to get to that point. You know what I mean? Like a year ago, we were still at 30,000 a month or something like that. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I would say 150 to 200,000, something like that a month uh, that, that we're getting on the show. And it's the driver of everything that, that we've been able to do, really. And it's been the thing that like really helped us start software and get into the education side and all those types of things. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And I think most people don't know that, you know, most podcasts get less than 200 downloads a month, right? So this is you're talking way above that. So can you share more about the business? I mean, what is because you, you, you actually got two big things going on, you got podcast profit academy, and you got guest you maybe we'll start with podcast profit academy. What is that? How does that work? Yeah, so we just launched this two months ago, but it's basically we the, the only way that we're making money before was I was doing one on one coaching and took on a bunch of one on one coaching clients. We did some uh, travel masterminds with entrepreneurs and things like that. COVID shut down all of the mastermind side of the business. Um, all of our live events, are you know trips to Costa Rica and Thailand and these other things that we uh, that we do with, with some of our clients. And so we basically had to figure out, okay, well, if that stuff isn't going to happen what are we going to be able to do? And so we, and it was honestly a necessary thing. It was a good thing because it pushed us to build something that was a little bit more scalable and more digitally uh, served. Like it was uh, digitally fulfilled rather than having to be like an in-person event in Thailand or something. And then so we, we launched that recently. Basically our goal with Podcast Profit Academy is to help entrepreneurs and business owners actually make money from having a podcast. Because a lot of people... I think, and, and you obviously would be able to speak to this too, Eric. I think a lot of people get into podcasting thinking that it's like something that they have to do. Like it's something that everybody talks about and like the, the big guys, they all have one. So I may as well have one. They don't really have like a clear strategy or a clear direction of where they're headed. So they just start one and then they look back six months later and they're like, man, all I've done is waste time, energy, and money on this thing that doesn't generate any of those three things back into me or into my business. And so that's when they quit. And you know, 80, 90% of podcasters will quit before they hit 15 episodes of their show because they don't see any real results from it. So our goal with, with the people that we bring into the academy and some of our accelerator program, we just try to help people find where they can actually make money on a show sooner rather than later, enough to at least keep them going to experience the long-term benefits of podcasting. Because the, the benefits of podcasting, like, we, like uh, you and I have talked about before, they come long term. They're not. They're not things that you do within the first three six months. They're going to reap the benefits more around year three, year four, year five. But most people won't make it to that point because it takes so much time and energy 
and money to keep things going at first. So our goal is like, we just want to help you see that you can make money now and use this as a big tool to grow your business. But you're also getting the long-term benefits if you stick with this thing and keep going for for a longer period of time. Because you're going to wake up in five years and be super, super, super thankful for yourself making the decisions you made right now. Because in five years from now, you'll have an audience and you'll have a future-proof, recession-proof type of a way to grow and build any business that, you know, any, any product launch, any software launch, anything that you're trying to accomplish. Like if you have an audience or a tribe of a bunch of loyal people who care about what you talk about, a lot easier to, to get some people to adopt you know new things that you have on the horizon. So that's kind of the, the whole premise behind Podcast Profit Academy is let's help people with their podcast, but also let's help them like more importantly, let's help them profit from this so that they can stick with yeah. it for long-term benefits. Got it. Can you give some people some examples of, of how you've benefited or profited from the podcast? You talked about you know new new business ventures and all that. Kind of give people an idea of the possibilities. Yeah, sure. So the number one thing for sure has been the network that I've been able to build through the podcast. That's been like I, I tell people all the time, even if you never make a dollar from your show, you should still start one. Even if it's just for the business development opportunities that you can create from it. Just because most people aren't gonna say yes to like a three minute phone call, right? Like if somebody like perfect example, Eric, like somebody reaches out to you and they say, Hey Eric, can we hop on a five minute call? I want to ask you a couple questions about my marketing. How likely are you to say yes to that? 99% no. Yeah, right. Probably only if you already have an existing relationship with them from like college or something. You know, and, and even then it's probably probably still going to be pushed out for a while. But if somebody has a podcast, how much more likely are you to say yes to somebody to be an interviewee on their show than you are to say yes to somebody for a 5-minute phone call for free for just offering information? A lot more likely just because I know it has a chance of getting more distribution and it's not just a one-to-one type of thing. Yeah, right. So that's the exact thing that I figured out very early on, which fueled my desire even more to continue to connect with more and more people and continue leveling up the guests that we're bringing on the show, which continue to level up my network. And if you level up your network, you have no choice but to level up yourself. And so that was one of the biggest things that, that I, I try to get across to people is like people are way more likely to say yes to the podcast interview than they are to say yes to anything else. And it's a perfect way to get your foot in the door and get to know the people who can benefit from the product or service or people that you can learn from or get mentored by. So that's one of the big side effects of having a podcast that really became the number one reason that I had my show to begin with. And the second thing I would say would be knowledge. The amount of knowledge that you gain from hosting a podcast is significantly more than the amount of knowledge that you gain from listening to podcasts. So if you're listening to this right now and you think like, man, I get so much knowledge by listening to Leveling Up with Eric, think about you having the conversations with the people that Eric's having conversations with and how much more you could learn for yourself if you were the host of the show, getting to ask the questions that you're curious about, getting to get the answers to things that you've been struggling with because you're interviewing people who are a little bit further along the road than you are. And you're basically getting free coaching and mentorship calls from experts in your field on a weekly basis. Maybe you know when I was first starting, we did three interviews a week. So, you know, the amount of people that you connect with and the amount of knowledge and information that you gain and learn during that time period is is invaluable. And I that's why I, I tell people, you know, like I said, even if you're not even if you're not planning on making a dollar, like even if you're not planning on becoming the next Joe Rogan or whatever and getting millions and millions of downloads, this is still super effective just for relationship building and for your own continued learning and knowledge and education in your space to make sure that you're on the up and up because you'll feel that pressure almost because you have you have an audience. And if your audience 
comes to expect a certain quality from you, then you have to keep up that quality, which means you have to continue leveling up yourself. You have to continue reading the industry books and subscribing to the newsletters and getting on top of the trends and, and learning about the ideas because you want to make sure that your content is the best that it can be for your audience. Uh, which means that you're more qualified to be that person. Not to mention, you know, they say if you really want to learn something, you should teach it, right? So if you are also being forced to teach things that are kind of foreign concepts to you, you really got to learn how to distill that information and give it to other people in a, in a digestible way, which means you have to be a master of that information first. So those are just a couple of things like regardless of even revenue or money or any of those things, like that's where podcasting really becomes worth it in my opinion. And then the profit pieces, the number one way that we've been able to help our clients generate profit from, from podcasts is to stop thinking about the audience. The audience is the long-term benefit. That's what we've kind of already talked about so far is that the audience is the long-term benefit, the, the benefit from being able to have your audience come at year three, year four, year five, right? And that's when you can, like, for instance, we did our software launch. Uh, it was not a real launch. It was a, we call this soft launch. It's basically just a, uh, our beta users. But in the first, you know, couple of months of of being live and and having you know people being able to sign up for accounts, like we've almost had a thousand people sign up for free accounts on the software just from like throwing it out there to my audience and saying like, hey, we have a new thing, go check it out. Um, and then me reaching out to a few different high level guests that I've had on my show, and now you know we have Manny Pacquiao, that's a that's a bookable guest over there. We have Jordan Harbinger, that's a bookable, bookable guest, and Johnny Dumas and Hollywood executive producer uh, Brand Pinvidic, and like all these people that you can go on there and book right now. I wouldn't have had any of that if I didn't have my podcast first. Like this, this build would be so much more difficult if I didn't already have existing relationships and existing audience and distribution with the podcast that I had been spending the last three years building. And that example is much more exaggerated for people that have even larger audiences. Like, I, I don't know, I'm sure you know Pat Flynn, Eric, but Pat is a, is a good friend. He launched a new product called the SwitchPod and it was a physical product, like a tripod for videographers. He had always been in the info product space for like 10 years, blogger, you know, YouTuber, podcaster, selling info products, made, you know, created one or two small software company type things. And then this is his first time ever doing a physical product. He's not a physical product expert. This isn't the market that he's in, like none of those things, right? But they launched a Kickstarter campaign and within they were going for a hundred thousand dollars in I believe 30 days. They raised a hundred grand in 24 hours and ended up oversubscribing the Kickstarter campaign to the tune of almost a half a million dollars to be able to take this product to market. And that was largely due, and I had a conversation with Pat about this uh, to ask a couple questions. And that was largely due to the fact that he has built-in distribution with super fans of the things that he's doing, because that's the long-term benefits of podcasting is having an audience like that. The product was good, don't get me wrong. It's not like it was a crappy product or something like that. It's a good product. But if anybody else launched that product, it wouldn't have worked the way that it did. The reason that it worked so well was because Pat was behind it. And Pat has a lot of people who care about the stuff that he puts out. So that's the long-term benefits of content, which we all know. But what we try to do now is help people make a profit in the first couple of months by focusing on bringing high-ticket, high-paying clients into their business through guest-facing monetization strategy, which we basically say, look, the, the most important thing at first is not your audience, it's your guests. Who are you bringing on your show? First off, you need some credible people, people that everybody's going to know in your space, in your industry, in your niche. That's which is why we create a guestio because it makes it a lot easier to go get some of those top people. Because you know, instead of spending nine months reaching out and getting rejected, you can just go on there and pay somebody to, to be on your show initially and get that first person to say yes and boost your credibility and authority. But then what you do is the rest of your guest list is made up of your ideal clients, the people that are most likely to buy your products and services, the people who have the pain point that your product or service solves. You fill up your guest list with more of those people, then you're starting to connect with you know one, two, or three of those people on a weekly basis, and they fit your ideal client list. And then you have a, a higher ticket service or offering to be able to bring them into 
then this becomes a big business development piece because now you're you're turning people on that are your ideal clients to the idea of working with you and making yourself top of mind in their head. We've seen it, you know, work with, you know, we have a real estate investor client who we did this for before he even launched his show, zero downloads an episode before he launched his show, he hit $2 million in raising capital for a, a syndication that he was putting together just through the guests that he was bringing on his show that were private investors looking for good deals. And he brought them on his show, built the relationship through the show, and then mentioned that he had a deal going on. And then he raised $2 million in less than a week with zero downloads an episode because he used it focusing on his guests first. So I tell you all the time, like when you're first getting started, focus on your guest list, make building credibility, and then bringing more of your ideal clients in and look at the compound effects of what happens after like a year or two years of doing that. Not only are you building your audience and creating that future-proof revenue, like we talked about with Pat, but in the meantime, you're building your relationships and doing hardcore business development with the exact ideal clients that you want for your business. And if you do that twice a week for a year, that's 104 people that you talk to. But guess what? Those 104 people don't just hang out by themselves in their house all day, they go hang out with guess who? More of your ideal client. So when you're becoming top of mind for all of these people in this certain field, you're much more likely to start closing some of that business and taking profits like that, and then reinvesting those profits back into the growth of your show so that you can start to do more of those long-term audience-facing monetization techniques, which is really the, the, the honeypot of making money through a podcast, stuff like sponsorships and affiliate deals and um, some of the other ways to, to make more revenue without you know high touch point uh, services and things like that. So. I know that was kind of an all over the place type of an answer, but that's how we look at it. It's like it's network, it's knowledge, it's all of these other things that podcasting is already good for. Everybody knows about it's a long term game, networking, knowledge, all those things. But then if we can help you at the beginning turn a profit through business development, then it makes a lot more sense for you to spend your time and energy focusing on creating content in that sense, and will make you much more likely to stick around and reap the benefits in four or five years from now. Yep. Obviously, with podcasting, you bring on good guests. Uh, that's going to help you create an audience. And I talked about this with a couple other founder buddies about the concept of audience first. It's actually a lot. It's hard to build an audience, but once you have it going, then you figure out, hey, what does the audience need, and, and you can serve them. And so, you know, what Travis has done is, you know, he's got the academy, but it, it started from the podcast first, and then now he's got Guestio going on, and he's had he maybe monetizes through ads. There's just a lot of different things that you can do, but going audience first forces you to focus on the customer first, right? Versus a lot of you know internet marketers that I see, they they're so focused on generating short term profits that they lose sight of the customer, and they're focused on dialing in their funnels all the time. Not saying that's a bad thing, but you got to think bigger picture. So Travis, I guess when you think about, I do want to talk about Guestio, right? So how did you even come up with this, this idea? And why did you decide that now was the right timing to start Guestio? Because, you know, obviously you have some other stuff going on too. Yeah. So Guestio was something that was really built out of necessity because you know, I don't have crazy downloads on my show. I'm not the guy that has millions of downloads and people don't ask me as much about, I mean, you still get the question a lot because obviously six-figure downloads is better than 99% of other podcasts, probably even 99 point something percent. But the point of me bringing that up is basically saying that the number one thing that I became known for pretty quickly was just the guest lineup that I had on my show because I shouldn't have been getting the guests that I was getting is the best way that I can say it. Like I didn't have the downloads. I didn't have the reputation. I was starting from scratch. Like I didn't have any of the things that most people have that have a similar guest lineup. So people started asking me like, Hey, how did you get this person without all these other things? You know? And the answer is just that, I, may, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's thick skin through doing door to door for five or six years. But the, the real answer is it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of persistence and a lot of follow-up to be able to get those people on your show. And so I put together a couple of trainings and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, if you don't have the time to spend doing the trainings, then you need a shortcut to the process. And so I started playing around with this tool called Cameo, which is basically a celebrity shout out 
platform, you can go on there and buy a, you know, happy birthday song from Snoop Dogg for your aunt or whatever. You know what I mean? And so I started using that to try to book podcast guests, but it was super inefficient because that's not what the platform is built for. It's built for shout outs. And so a lot of people find it annoying if they get pitched something, they just want to do their cameo, which is totally understandable. And so I was like, well, if this platform existed in the other way where I could guarantee that somebody was going to be a guest on my show, like I would, I would spend money on that right now. And I looked on the market and nothing really existed. There's a couple platforms that connect podcast guests and hosts and stuff. But there was just like, when I looked at the catalog, there was none of these people, like these needle moving type people that were on those platforms because they already get too many reach outs to begin with. So why would they go on a platform that's going to get them a bunch more free reach outs that don't make them any money and make it more difficult for them to choose what shows they're going to say yes to. And so we kind of took that pay to play model that Cameo had and then combined it with some of these like, you know, guest connection sites that have been that have been put out there. And that's when we came up with the idea of Guestio and got started working on that at the beginning of 2020. Again, when we when we were kind of forced to to pivot our, our business model away from these in-person live event type things and masterminds, because that, that was the initial thought, because we were a networking podcast. We weren't planning on doing the podcast stuff for very long. We we're just teaching networking and doing masterminds and doing, you know, traveling groups and stuff like that. And so when when COVID hit, it was just kind of like, well, what are we gonna do from here and who do we serve? How do we help them? So that was the question that I kept getting the most. And that seemed like the most apparent need. And it seemed like that we could build a pretty cool solution to, to that problem. And that's when that's when we got to work on the development for Guestio. How does the business work for those that don't know who what Cameo is? Yeah, so it's basically a marketplace. So you, so if you're a podcaster, you can go on to Guestio, create a free account and uh, put all your information in there. You'll have a cool show profile that's built out um, that'll give you know data on your show. And then you see somebody that you want to book for your show in the marketplace. You can just search through guests. You can filter based on a bunch of different criteria. You can uh, sort by a bunch of different criteria, you know, you know, genre based and, and different, different filters for, for search. Go on there, find a guest that fits perfectly for your show. And we have a free marketplace and a paid marketplace. So a lot of, a lot of really high level people are actually totally free. Like we have the founder of Comic-Con on there totally for free like a high performance coach for professional athletes work like Kevin Durant, people like that. He's on there totally for free. You can book him for free. So it's a great free marketplace, but there's also a paid marketplace and that's full of a bunch of people, you know, like someone like Jordan Harbinger, who's a well-known podcaster. He's on there for like 350 bucks and John Lee Dumas is 300 bucks and Dan Locks on there for a couple thousand, you know, so we have, we have some people on there. You can just go book them directly, pay them, and then you can schedule within the messaging that's in the application as well. So you schedule right there, take care of the interview, and then the payment goes to the guest and then Guestio takes a percentage of that payment. Got it. I love that. So make sure you guys go check out Guestio. Um, I, I do want to talk about, because on this podcast, we talk about what's working and growth. So obviously you can you know, buy ads on other podcasts to help your podcast grow faster, but is there anything you've seen work particularly well with um, you know, growing your audience? Yeah. Uh, to me, platform relationships are one of the best ways that I've been able to grow my show. So what I mean by that is any podcast player that has a decent user base that you can pay to get in front of that user base. That's what I mean. So uh, Apple Podcast doesn't have a native, you know, advertising ability to be able to like show people your podcast when they're browsing through shows to look for. Apple Podcast doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to find these other kind of like not as well known platforms that are out there that you know they have 20, 30 million users. It's not 400 million users like some something like Apple Podcasts would be, or a half a billion, or something like that. But they have a strong user base. You know, I'd say anywhere from you know two to 20 million is a strong user base. 
And there's probably likely that a lot of your ideal listeners are on there. So you go to those platforms and then create some sort of relationship with them. Regard like some of them have open bid ad platforms. Some of them do not. Some of them have closed ad platforms. Some of them don't have ad platforms. But if you do like an ad read for them in exchange for them putting you up onto their editor's picks or their top charts or something like that, it can give you more exposure that way. So that's definitely been one of the more like lesser known ways that we've been able to generate traffic, a good amount of traffic actually for our show in particular, and then for some of our clients as well is approaching some of those, you know, not as well-known podcast player apps that still have a strong user base and then paying those people to put you in front of their audience or working out a partnership where we'll do an ad read on your show for the next six episodes in exchange for you putting us up onto your, you know, editor's picks or your, you know, favorite shows list or whatever so that the people who come to the app when they browse, they'll see me on the front page of your application. If there's you have 3 million users, then you can start getting some, some decent traffic from those channels. Yeah, I love that. I mean, the, the concept of, of bartering, just applying that here, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And also, you know, if, if people are Googling like top marketing podcasts or top networking podcasts, and there's a lot of posts out there, how can you work out a deal with those people, right? There's always an angle here. And so for your podcast, since it's about networking, aside from building your network through podcasts, is there anything else you've done that's been effective for you? Yeah, whatever puts you in a position of authority is, in my opinion, the best way to network. So that's why I'm a big fan of being a podcast host, uh, because you own the platform, you decide who shares the stage. And so the other, like any other form of doing that is something that I'm a fan of, like whatever makes you a platform owner in terms of networking is always going to allow you to control the frame through which people see you. And that to me is a big part of, of networking is you know, you only get one chance at a first impression. And so if you can make a really good positive first impression on people through bringing them onto a really well-refined platform, like a podcast or like a live event, that's why I like the live event stuff. I, I can't wait to get back to doing a lot of that as soon as we can. Um, and some of those international travel trips that we were doing, like those things were really big for, for, for me and my, and my network because I get to bring in speakers as long as I have the audience. And that's another huge thing about having the podcast is like when we threw our first live event, we didn't spend any money on marketing at all. And we got a hundred people to show up and we did like $250,000 in sales at that event, you know, just for putting it on. And we were able to bring a guest lineup of, of amazing speakers in, you know, like Dan Fleischman and, and Steve Sims and, you know, somebody's on The Apprentice recently owns a real estate company. Like we're able to bring in really high quality speakers. It's dual benefit, right? Because the people in the audience benefit because these really smart people are speaking from stage, right? But I also benefit because I threw on a world-class event, even though it was only a hundred people, we did it at Top Golf. We spent more money than most people spend on events because we wanted to make it feel like it was still first class. And I feel like a lot of people who throw smaller events like that, they, they try to make it like a big event, but it doesn't have the energy of a big event because there's not a thousand people in the crowd. There's only a hundred. And so I think they really missed the mark on that and leave a negative impression on people. Whereas we just went like, let's go really high quality. And uh, like I said, we threw it at Top Golf in their meeting rooms. We like every lunch break was included with golf and all those, those types of things. So we were able to build a platform that puts me in a positive light. And a lot of these people that were speakers that didn't know, like they, we knew each other, like they'd been on my podcast or something, but they didn't, we didn't really know each other. And then they come over to an event like that and then see me in that light with an audience full of my listeners that are engaged in learning from them. Like that type of network building to me is the most effective uh, because you can build relationships with high quality people. It allows you to control the frame. That's really the big thing. And if you listen to people like Orrin Claff or Brant Pervetti, people like that pitch, you know, VCs all the time and, and do like pitch consulting and stuff, they're always talking about controlling the frame. If you want people to take you more seriously, you have to control the frame through which they see you. And that's why I'm a big fan of like content-based networking, whether it's a YouTube channel or a podcast or a meetup or a live event 
or something like that. I think those like tactical approaches are, are really, really strong. Uh, other than that, like the, it's a lot of it's, you know, the same traditional type knowledge is, you know, join industry forums, Facebook groups, uh, LinkedIn groups, go to the meetups, go to the events, like show up in a big way and then add value. If you can do those two things, like networking makes it a lot easier. Show up, add value. Like don't, don't think about how it's going to benefit you. Don't treat it as an in-person cold calling event where you have to book business at the event or else it's a waste of your time. Don't view it like that. It has to be long-term. You have to add value and you got to show up. Uh, but in terms of a tactical way, yeah, like do throw a live event, do a podcast, like throw something where you can control the frame through which people are seeing you for the first time, where you have the ability to control how people are viewing you. Love it. What's your favorite business tool that is not called Guestio? Probably ClickUp. In ClickUp every day. They were just valued at a billion dollars after they, they raised their Series A six months ago. And I forget what their value was at the time, but they basically 10x in like six months. And they raised another $100 million just now in their Series B, um, I believe, at a billion dollar valuation. So they're continuing to add more and more awesome features into that. Like it can almost do anything that you want it to do super, super robust software that my team uses for a lot of like our project management stuff. Got it. Great. And what is your favorite business book? Since you're a marketing guy, I got to go with influence from Robert Cialdini. And I'm sure that's probably something that's, that's mentioned a lot, like really anything from Robert Cialdini, like any of the books that, that he's put out, you know, influence or persuasion or, you know, 50 scientifically proven ways to get the yes or something like that. Like anything that, that Robert Cialdini puts out is, is really solid. Cool. That's a great book. And what would you say is the most compelling thing that you've read, watched, or listened to recently? Well, you kind of touched on in my bio that I do a little bit of real estate investing. And so I actually am a subscriber to The Morning Brew. And one of the bigger things that I've read recently is the crazy spike in the housing market that's happened this year and uh, made us want to do a couple of things with a couple of our real estate investments. And so we we sold off one of our properties in in, in Dallas and then uh, did another flip this year to make a little bit extra cash and stuff. And so I think that's going to be something that's super interesting to keep an eye on in, in 2021, because I just have a feeling that, that we're not going to be able to sustain this type of growth very, very much longer. And we're seeing housing prices raise across the country to even like higher than it was in 2000. 6 2007 before the crazy real estate crash and so that's it's making me a little bit nervous and so that's one of those one of those compelling things that that I've read recently that's influencing some of my decision making. Yeah, it's it's going to be big. There's going to be hell to pay, man. But uh Travis, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? In terms of the social, I probably spend the most time over on Instagram, which is just at Travis Chapel, uh two Ps, two Ls on Travis Chapel. Anything else just head over to my website travischapel.com and uh, you can be kind of directed toward whatever you want to do from there. Awesome. Travis, thanks so much for doing this. Appreciate it, Eric. Thanks for having me, man. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.